Welcome to Recovering My Inner Child. My name is Kawan Saluja. Our first reading comes from Melody Babies, The Language of Letting Go. The topic, letting go in love. When people with a compulsive disorder do whatever it is they're compelled to do, they're not saying they don't love you. They're saying they don't love themselves. Wow. Um, hmm. I will read on. Uh, gentle people, gentle souls go in love. Yes, at times we need to be firm and assertive. Those times when we change, when we acquire a new behavior, when we need to convince others and ourselves we have rights. Those times are not permanent. We may need to get angry to make a decision or set a boundary, but we can't afford to stay resentful. This is really, love this line, I'll repeat it a couple times. We may need to get angry to make a decision or set a boundary, but we can't afford to stay resentful. We may need to get angry to make a decision or set a boundary, but we can't afford to stay resentful. You know, I think there's a level on the scale and shame is like a debilitating, um, you know, emotion and anger is, you know, a far more empowering. But what I like about this is saying that anger is not only okay, but that we can't afford to stay resentful, not as someone in recovery. Uh, that'll take, you know, that has the potential to take me out. Back to the reading. It is difficult to have compassion for one who is victimizing us. But once we've removed ourselves as victims, we can find compassion. Our path, our way, is a gentle one, walked in love, love for self, love for others, Set boundaries, detach, take care of ourselves, and as quickly as possible, do these things in love. Wow, this is a reminder of why I love doing this podcast, but also forgot about that detach with love part. As quickly, you know, as possible, do these things with love. Um, you know, probably haven't been doing that as, as much. The other thing I realized is boundaries is just like any other skill. It needs to be practiced and... Uh, I can't expect to be an expert overnight, and I kind of judge myself sometimes on that. Well, progress, not perfection, as they say in the rooms. Today, and whenever possible, God, let me be gentle with others and myself. Help me find the balance between assertive action taken in my own best interest and love for others. Thinking seven highly effective habits, it's think win-win. Help me understand that at times these two ideas are one, so that's creativity, both in. Help me find the right path for me. I can love my parents and still have those boundaries, you know, compassion and acceptance, but also self-love for myself. On to the next reading. The topic is also, uh, the, it is also from language of letting go. The topic, letting go of guilt. Feeling good about ourselves is a choice. So is feeling guilty. Okay, I will read on. This is interesting. When guilt is legitimate, it acts as a warning light, signaling that we're off course. Then its purpose is finished. Wallowing in guilt allows others to control us. It makes us feel not good enough. It prevents us from setting boundaries and taking other healthy action to care for ourselves. Just got to remember that feeling good about ourselves. We may have learned to habitually feel guilty as an instinctive reaction to life, right? Reflexive, and then it became a compulsive habit. And uh, I think this is why step six and step seven in the spiritual solution has, uh, you know, is, is potentially transforming and, you know, probably has been. Now we know that we don't have to feel guilty. Even if we've done something wrong that violates value, extended guilt does not solve the problem. It prolongs the problem, like self-pity, being hard on myself. So make an amend, change the behavior, then let guilt go. Today, God helped me to become entirely ready to let go of guilt. Please take it from me and replace it with self 
love. You know, this reminds me of some of the things I'm coming out across is any emotion is also information and it doesn't necessarily always need to be suppressed. And I could write about that emotion later. I've seen a reluctance to do so. Now we move on to ACA Strengthening My Recovery, the topic, authority figures. Authority figures scare us and we feel afraid when we need to talk to them. As children, we may have been terrified to voice a thought about anything to the authority figures in our lives. Definitely uh, didn't have the weapons, didn't have the physical, the wording, or, or the support. I mean, I think that's where the support groups are vital. Um, because I think a lot of gaslighting is done unconsciously. Back to the reading. We learn to keep quiet because we usually didn't know what reaction we might get. As adults, we may still have found ourselves reacting to authority in the same manner, whether it was in a work environment or even a social group or organization that resembled a workplace structure or purpose. This can happen in the rooms. And, um, you know, this is also a lot of the approval seeking, in my experience, hasn't really come from the people who love me, but the people that I consider authority figures who might not even be knowing they are. Being self-employed didn't insulate us from these interactions either. This is where recovery is very, uh, has been very helpful to the bottom line because I thought that would be the answer to become a boss, to become a manager. And then I realized that, you know, to do all that kind of work just to deal with authority figures, you know, that baby with the bathwater kind of overkill, but I had no solutions. Um, until recovery. Even in ACA, some of us, and trauma work, of course. Even in ACA, some of us place others in roles of authority where we find ourselves recreating our family structure. Absolutely. Um, you know, but recovery is where we can become aware of our reactions and practice new ways of acting. Before we talk to an authority figure, we could stop and perform a reality check. Are we imagining the worst? Is this person going to respond like my dysfunctional parent did years ago? If we are fearful, a very successful technique many of us use is to write a script and role play with a trusted friend. Wow. That was just something that comes from Susan Forward's book, uh, Toxic Parents. It talks about the importance of writing letters and role playing. This might be my favorite reading in a while. And these are all, you know, powerful readings. Back to the reading. As part of this process, we give ourselves plenty of affirmations. Growth happens when we find that the more we actually do talk to authority figures, the more our confidence increases. They're just people. You know, Charles Barkley always says, you know, there ain't Ernie, you know, Ernie Jones inside the NBA. There are, there are no experts. Only God is the only expert. Back to the reading. At last, we begin to see ourselves as recovering adults, not fearful children. On this day, I will use my recovery wisdom and strength as I interact with authority figures. I am no longer frozen by fear. And the last reading from also comes from ACA Strengthening My Recovery, and the topic is humor. We often lost our creativity, our flexibility, and our sense of humor. Yeah, I've noticed that, you know, a default or something that became the default was a serious thing rather than the humor that was always the starting point, you know. I always keep my sense of humor tucked in my hip pocket, available at all times, the old man said. Where do you keep yours? When we first walk into ACA meetings, the last thing in the world we think of is a sense of humor. There's just too much pain. In many dysfunctional families, what passes as humor was really a form of sarcasm, for sure. And it's a good litmus test when I'm using it. For some of us who were the mascot or clown in our family of origin, utilizing humor was second nature, but it was the role we played for survival. Unfortunately, self-deprecating humor is not helpful at all. 
back to the reading. Rediscovering our true sense of humor sometimes begins in ACA meetings. Many times laughter erupts when certain things are said. That laughter isn't meant to poke fun. I also say, you know, got my sense of humor in relationships. It's recognition of a shared experience that unites us. Fellow travelers understand what we're talking about. I love that shared experience, whether it was a 10 day Vipassana retreat, step study groups. Um, there's a bond there that, you know, I just never had anywhere else. Back to the reading. Opening up to our sense of humor allows recovery to thrive. We discover that laughter can be a wonderful tool in our tool bag. We can watch funny movies or internet snippets, think Larry David and Dave Chappelle, to encourage our belly laughter. It feels wonderful to make healthy humor part of the healing process. On this day, I will keep my heart open to the things that make me laugh. Laughter brings me joy and makes everything better. Life is good.